Welcome to our first off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Got the whole crew together, Muhammad Ahmad with you, along with Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. Uh We finally got some rest and caught up from what was a long, busy, and eventful Sunday as the Bengals season is over. Uh, the off-season is starting two weeks earlier than it did last year. Um, and as much as they are moving on from that tough AFC championship loss to the Chiefs, uh, certainly a lot of what-ifs and what about moving forward. Um, but I think as we kind of look back at this game, I know one thing we talked about going into it, and one thing we could even talk about for days coming out of this game is, you know, Joe Burrow said the championship window is his whole career. Uh, and he affirmed that after the game on Sunday that, you know, they've made it to back-to-back AFC title games. They almost won the second round uh, against Kansas City in the AFC championship. Really, like, all their games came down to a field goal. So, Really close, um, and we'll talk more about the game here and kind of what could have gone right and sort of assessing it two days later. But, you know, one thing I was thinking about is, and we talked about this a little bit on the postgame podcast, to talk about not even just the AFC and how loaded it is. The AFC North is not going to be much easier next year. If anything, it's probably going to be a lot harder. We don't know what Deshaun Watts is going to look like, whether they tag Lamar or not. If he's back in Baltimore and they tool up with wide receivers, like you said, Andrew, that's a tough challenge. And who knows, maybe the Steelers have a resurgence with Kenny Pickett under center, and maybe that offense gets back to where it was in their prime over a decade ago. So, I mean, how wide open is the window? Has it closed a little bit? Is it just as wide open? I mean, what is the window right now for the Bengals to win a championship after their season just ended? Well, I mean, it's 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 open now. Um I mean, as long as you have Burrow, it's going to be open, um, you know, assuming that, you know, there's no obviously drastic reduction in play with Burrow. Um, as soon as you, as long as you have him, you're cool. Uh, but the the window, it is going to change a little bit when, um, when his contract goes from a rookie deal to the mega deal that he's going to sign whenever, whenever they decide that they want to sign that, um, Obviously, that uh, that changes things. Um, you know, it's going to be pretty significant because you get the four-year deal, you get the fifth-year option. So, um, you know, he's obviously going into the fourth year of that uh, of that rookie deal right now. Um, so, it, your cap hit's not not very big. Um, but I think the Bengals have like the fourth most cap space they of do. any team in the league. Forty-three uh, million is, dollars. Yeah, that is not that is not going to be like this every year. Um, you're going to have to start making some tough decisions here in the future. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be open when you have a quarterback like that. Uh, but for now, the window is very, very wide open. Uh, it'll close a little bit when, when Burrow has to sign that deal. Well, it's not closed. I don't think it closed. No, it's closed. Yeah, it's going it to short. Uh, like how much is it tight? Shorten, yeah. Not tighten, but you don't tighten yeah. the window. So, it gets harder uh, to win when you have. Yeah, that. The, the the challenge for the front office is is greater. But I mean, Burrow is the if he's healthy, that's I think what his point was that he's talented enough to carry whatever rosters with him. Yeah, I think you know the good thing for the Bengals offense when you look at the roster is they only have one starter who's not going to be on contract at least for now, and that's Hayden Hurst. Uh, we'll talk more about him later in the week, but as of right now, he's the only starter not on contract going into the offseason. Defensively, it's a little different. You have three players not on contract, that being 
Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt, two guys I want to get to later in the show, and of course Von Bell. Uh, those are going to be the three biggest priorities on defense going into the offseason. Um, but going back to Burrow, I mean, I think his talent only gets better because, like we said, he, he showed he was able to be more mobile. He got the ball off quicker. He had better progressions. And, you know, it was kind of a weird start to the year. Those first five weeks, you know, they went two and three. You had the season opener against Pittsburgh. Granted, he didn't have a preseason because of his appendectomy. Um, he shook off that rust those first two weeks against Steelers and the Cowboys. But, yeah, the Burrow we saw after week six was the Burrow we pretty much saw throughout the rest of the year, of course, with exception to that Browns game. I mean, what since that Browns game, they basically won every game they had in in the season up until they lost to the Chiefs on Sunday. So he only gets better. I think for him, I think if it's his window, the team's win is different. Like for him, this guy is capable of winning a championship with just how much better he's going to be and how good he's going to stay. But then the question is for the team's win, though, yeah, it really just depends on, you know, how much of the nucleus they retain on defense, how much of it they retain on offense. Um, so it's easy to say after a game like Sunday that, oh, you just pick the pieces back up and you move forward. That's what you do. You, you know, you do that, but it's so much uh, easier said than done because the Chiefs aren't going anywhere. I mean, for all we know, they could win a Super Bowl almost two weeks after this podcast. Like, they're not going anywhere. Mahomes is not going anywhere. Neither are the guys around him. I think the Bills are in kind of an interesting situation with their window, but it's not like Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen are going to be gone tomorrow. Um, and then, man, the Jaguars are going to be interesting. I want to see how much better Trevor Lawrence gets and what Doug Peterson can do down south. Um, for all we know, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers could be traded to the Jets in a, either an alternate universe or this really could happen for all we know because according to Adam Schefter, it pretty much sounds like both sides are agreeing that him moving on is the best thing in Green Bay. Um, and again, if you want to get even wonkier and crazier, Tom Brady is showing that age is but a number and he could go to the Raiders for all we know. Might get reunited with his old OC, Josh McDaniels. I don't think that is going to happen. I actually think he goes elsewhere. That's another conversation. But again, it just shows the AFC is going to be such a dogfight for like, I mean, honestly, the next decade. Because like I said, Lawrence, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, they're not going anywhere. And like, who knows if, again, within the next decade, you get another quarterback or two who's just as good, if not better than those guys. Like, who knows, man? I mean, you think about it, like the first year... Mahomes won MVP. Burrow wasn't even in the league. And then, what, a year after that, you know, Burrow comes in and now he becomes an MVP caliber quarterback. Like, we don't know who that next guy is going to be. You know, in the NFL, the only thing that's constant is change. But to go back to that game, though, to, to zoom in on the game and looking at it from just the different angles we didn't see on Sunday, how much of a missed opportunity do you think that was for the Bengals to win a championship? Because here's the thing, like, it's a missed opportunity, but – Getting to that game by itself was really hard. Like, there were people after the Super Bowl last year who thought, can the Bengals make it that far? Can they even make a conference championship? Let alone, can they win the AFC North? Because people didn't know how good Lamar was going to be or what Deshaun Watson was going to look like, even with everything going on for him off the field. How much of a missed opportunity was that, even though the Bengals showed they're capable of making a run like they made last year? Well, I mean, it's always a missed opportunity when you lose in a game like that. Um, you know, I said this, you know, after, you know, kind of at the end of our, our pod on Sunday, you know, I mentioned all the teams in the, in the AFC that are going to be really good. Um, you know, I, 
I, I'm not really concerned about Rodgers or Brady or anything like that coming to the AFC. If if I were the Bengals, I, Brady showed showed me nothing this year to prove that he's still you know even a good quarterback. Um, Rodgers, I don't know what he's going to be, uh, but the the conference is going to have Allen and Herbert and Lamar and Mahomes or presumably Lamar for a pretty long time. Like that, that's a difficult conference to deal with. Um, it's just, you never, you never want to miss an opportunity like that. Uh, because again, like, you know, think about, you, you don't want to put pressure on this team considering they just went to the Super Bowl. They were a few plays away from winning it. Then you were a few plays away from going back to the Super Bowl. You know, you're in pretty good company there, but you don't want to – I mean, it, it's it's hard not to look at it next season and think, okay, you know, if they lose, you know, if they lose in the divisional round to the Chiefs or to Buffalo or to who are the Ravens or the Jaguars, whatever, then you start to think, okay, well, T. Higgins' contract is up and now Burrow's going to get paid and this and that, and you, and you start to get to some of those questions. So – you know, it, it, it's really difficult to, to try and think about the future, especially considering the season just ended. But that is kind of where we're at right now when you go into this offseason mode of, okay, things are going to be a little bit different from here on out, and they're going to they're going to keep getting different. They're going to keep getting more difficult for this team. So anytime you lose a playoff game, especially one where, you know, you make mistakes, like, you know, they, they had a, you know, the offensive line didn't play well. Uh, they didn't start well. They went out early and lost. Uh, lost that first quarter pretty badly. Should have been down by more than they were. Anytime that happens, it's a missed opportunity, but especially for this team. Yeah, I mean, you lament mistakes. I mean, Zach Taylor talked about it. I mean, there's always what ifs, but um, in terms of like uh, projecting forward, you don't know how any of these teams are going to look like in the next two months. I think. Uh, you know, there's movement to be had across the league. All, all these teams are going to look different. You know, uh, there's plenty of dominoes to fall. I mean, you know, you don't even know if you know Lamar Jackson's back in Baltimore. I mean, things could look differently here in three months. Uh, yeah. But I think for for Cincinnati, uh, they're happy that their nucleus, which I think you kind of look at as basically Joe Burrow uh, and Jamar Chase, are going to be with this team going forward for for quite a long time. And I think that's kind of what you feel confident about. Yeah, and that, like that's the thing is like we all agree. Even if the window closes by a centimeter, if it even moves at all, like it's not even going to move that much because you have that nucleus. Um, you know, defensively, like I said, yeah, you you could lose Von Bell and or Jesse Bates and or Jermaine Pratt. We'll talk more about that, but like you still have your front line. You know, you still have uh, you know Chidobia Wuzier who, who could be healthy by next year, obviously. Um, he was on the IR since he got injured against the Browns, and it's going to be a lengthy recovery for him, but you still have him when he gets healthy. You have Cam Taylor-Britt. Um, you know, you still have, like I said, you're, you have Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson who showed they are Pro Bowl caliber. Uh, it, there's a lot of guys on that defense. And then offensively, like with the offensive line, I know people are probably going to give a lot of flack to, oh, well, the offensive line didn't do well. I mean, here's the thing. Look, I get it. You didn't have Lyle Collins or Jonah Williams or Alex Kappa in the biggest game of the year up to that point. But at the same time, most NFL offensive lines don't have, like, five guys who are all just rock-hard solid. Like, at best, you got three, four guys who are just great. 
And so that's the thing is if you want to go deeper than that, like even your deepest eight guys aren't all going to be hardcore. I mean, I'm not going to defend the mistakes the Bengals offensive line made, but I don't think it's one of those things where you have to look at it and say, oh, gosh, it's Bengals offensive line's a bust. They have to retool and rebuild like they did last year. I mean, what do you do with guys like Max Sharping that you got off waivers? I don't know. I mean, again, they didn't re-sign Isaiah Prince to a reserve's future deal uh, because on Tuesday they signed reserve future deals to their practice squad players. He was not one of them. So clearly they saw that and said, okay, we do want to at least do some things on that side. But, I mean, besides that, the offensive line's in pretty good shape. Um, Jonah Williams will be interesting because he has his fifth-year option next year. So what they do with him beyond next year, I don't know, but that's looking too far ahead. But to, to go back to the game, they talk about the offensive line, not protecting Burrow. I think we could focus on that. But, you know, one thing I really think about as I look back at this game is, you know, they played a lot of that, that zone defense where – Mahomes didn't really move out to his left. You know, like, I think they did a good job of keeping him from moving left, but what happened? He moved right, as as we saw on that last play where he set up that field goal with, you know, Harrison Bucker. But, yeah, he moved more to the right, which tells me that even with one leg, Mahomes was more comfortable moving around than Burrow was with two legs. Not literally speaking, but, like, from what we understand, I mean – he still had the ankle injury, so with one leg, he still somehow seemed to make plays stay alive and stay comfortable. And with Travis Kelsey, it just seemed like kind of the status quo that like most defenses have with a guy like that. Like, I mean, I think in the second half they did better, but they didn't do good enough, and that's shocking because, I mean, they've done well against Travis Kelsey the last two times they met up until Sunday. Um, but speaking of, you know, the defense and – the leadership, you know, Luana Rumo, Brian Callahan, I should have mentioned this, and, you know, we didn't mention this until now because this happened Monday, but both of them are going to be uh, head coaching interview candidates for the Arizona Cardinals position that opened with Cliff Kingsbury being fired. Um, Callahan's also reportedly, according to Tom Pelissero, getting a second interview with the Indianapolis Colts, who he already talked to earlier for their head coaching job. So, you know, you talk about the pieces to the puzzle with the players, I mean, Let's say worst case, you know, I'm just making this up. Say Anarumo gets the Cardinals job and Callahan gets the Colts job, or one way or another you lose both guys. How big of a hit is that? Because since Zach Taylor's been there, those have been his two guys through and through. Does that really make a big impact? Do you think if those guys leave, or how much of an impact does that look like? Um, well, I I think two things. Um I don't know that the Arizona job's a very attractive a job, especially if you're Brian Callahan. I'm not sure um, that's the situation you want to walk into with Kyler Murray, um, a quarterback that you know is reportedly not uh, as studious as the one that he has now, and how important he's kind of found those things. Um, you know, I think they're better set up offensively since a uh, Zach Taylor calls the plays, and b they have Dan Pitcher. Uh, who would obviously just be, um, I would think, bumped up to offensive coordinator, um, and then they just r- roll with that. Defensively, it'd be kind of hard to, I think you'd reset, you know, probably do a, a, a wide search in terms of trying to find somebody um, from Zach Taylor. You know, obviously relationships are important to him. I'm not sure, you know, what those connections are. I haven't looked at it, but um, kind of a leap to say, you know, you know, both of them are gone. Um, you know, the Cardinals are casting a wide net. Um, and like I said, that job, 
Um, I don't know. Just uh, would would I would surprise it would surprise me if. I mean, I guess if you're Lou, you're a little older. You want to take maybe the the jobs that come your way, but for Callahan, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the the, I mean, good teams lose lose coordinators all the time. Obviously, this is you know this is nothing new. Um, but losing losing Brian Callahan, not to poo poo it, uh, it would obviously be a loss. Uh, losing Lou would be worse, I think, because I agree. You know, Brian 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 doesn't call plays. Um, he's obviously a part of, you know, the play calling, you know, uh, the game plan, you know, he, he kind of scripts together with Zach and with pitcher and everybody, uh, you know, Frank Pollock about the run game, stuff like that. You lose, you know, one of the voices of a unit that, you know, is pretty successful offensively. And I thought at the end of the year had really kind of schemed up some, some good stuff. I thought, you know, that first, you know, whatever it was, few drives in Buffalo, you know, I thought it was really, really a, a strong job by that offense and just scheming things up. And obviously Brian Callahan deserves his credit for that. Um, but losing Lou, I, I think would be a pretty, a pretty tough loss, especially when you look at kind of what this defense might be like next year. Uh, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Pratt's on a contract year. Um, obviously kind of, you know, nobody really knows what's going to happen there, but it doesn't look great. Obviously, it's it's almost a certainty. It feels like that Jesse Bates is gone. Um, you you know Eli Apple's on a contract. You bring him uh, uh, not on a contract anymore. Do you bring him back? You, you, like you could be kind of implementing a couple new guys into the starting lineup, and you don't want to have a new coordinator kind of take over and add a bunch of new stuff into that. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't be a drastic change. You know, I'm sure they would just try to promote somebody or bring in somebody whose style is pretty similar to lose. Um, you know, you're not going to change to a 34 or something crazy like that. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, it would be a really, really bigger change if Lou leaves. So um, it would be a loss either way. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, kind of like Mike said, it, um, these opportunities don't come around a lot. So maybe you just – maybe you take one and see where it uh, see where it goes if you get the offer. Because, again, the culture at the top of the draft, and if you can get your quarterback right, like looking at with the Bengals – you can get a lot right in this league. But, I mean, I just yeah, think with the, league, the way the league's shaped right now, and they've almost gone to sort of college-style uh, turnover in terms of, like, being willing to get rid of a coach after one year. Um, I, I would not, especially if I'm Brian Callahan, I would not just jump at the first chance. I think you have Joe Burrow. You're, you're going to be okay. Like, he's not going to drop off a cliff. So you have two years, three years here to sort of pick your spot. Um, and you know, I wouldn't want to be saddled with a bad quarterback situation. Uh, I wouldn't want to be, uh, looking because your, your future is worse off if you're one and done, um, than you are if you stay here at, in Cincinnati, uh, with Joe Burrow. I think, you know, that makes, I get what you're saying, but you know, what Andrew said, I think it'd be worse if, you know, you lose Anarumo because, the good thing with Callahan, and like I said, the Arizona job is not that attractive. That's why I would say if Callahan were to take a job, it'd be the Colts job over the Arizona job. Because, yeah, Arizona's in a really weird situation with Kyler Murray, whereas with the Colts, you can maybe rebuild and take a leap of faith of you know getting the franchise back on good footing. But the good thing with the offense is that, you know, say Brian Callahan does take that first shot and he goes to Indianapolis or wherever um, – you know, you have Dan Pitcher, who was already being looked at by teams like the Buccaneers for 
their OC job because, you know, they fired Byron Leftwich at the end of the year. So he almost could have gone to Tampa Bay. And, I mean, Tom Brady's not going to be back there, I would think. But even then, like, he was that good for, you know, an OC opportunity. So I could see the Bengals maybe promoting him from QB coach to offensive coordinator given how much he's developed Joe Burrow, how good of a relationship they have, how much I think he would bring out a lot of the Callahan playbook that's already been working with, you know, Zach Taylor's system. Yeah, defensively, it'd be tough. I mean, you know, you have some guys you could promote. Um, I, I don't know who or what they would do in that situation, but that is going to be hard because, you know, you look at, like, the Bengals, for example, before, you know, I'm kind of going back in time here, before Zach Taylor's even there. Like, when Marvin Lewis was there, you had Mike Zimmer, who did a great job his first couple years. He goes to Minnesota, does a decent job there his first couple years, and then, you get Terrell Austin, and then it's like, well, there's a few guys before him who were okay, but then you get the Terrell Austin, and that just didn't work out. I don't think he lasted more than a year. He gets fired. Um, and then you bring in Andrew Rumo, and it works, but I just wonder, though, like, who can have the – we keep saying this because it's funny. Like, who can be a mad scientist like him, or who can be at least – half of the mad scientist that Anarumo is. I, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. I kind of have to see who else would be out there sort of on the market if, the, if the, this is something that happens where Anarumo leaves. And by the way, don't forget, I mean, you got to understand too, like there's also been talk that he could be looking at the Giants defensive coordinator job because, you know, he's a Staten Island guy. Um, he's from the area. It could be a good opportunity for him, especially if he wants to either settle down there or still look at a head coaching job later. Uh, That's something that, you know, has kind of been in the rumor mill, so to speak, of whether Anarumo considers that or not. I mean, that's very premature, but, you know, it's just saying when when you're that good, like that's the thing, when you're that good, it's just those opportunities are going to come up. So something to monitor um, during the offseason. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about the free agency situation that we talked about with Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt more specifically, and we look more ahead into the offseason when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So I think we've pretty much closed the book on the regular season and the playoffs. We've talked about the championship window, what it would be like with or without Lou Anarum or Brian Callahan, depending on uh, the head coaching carousel and the coordinator carousel around the league. Now to get to the player carousel. There's really two players I want to zoom in on from a free agency standpoint. That's Jesse Bates and that's Jermaine Pratt. Um, I think Jesse Bates, you have to start with him. He's already kind of been in this situation for two years, um, starting just back last year when his rookie contract was up and he couldn't come to an agreement with, you know, Katie Blackburn and Duke Tobin and the rest of the team, the organization. So they slapped the tag on him, which was about uh, just under $13 million, about $12.9 million. Um, But he sat out training camp, sat out most of the preseason. So there was some drama there, but uh, his coaches still had his back. His teammates still had his back. You know, Lou Anarumo even said at the time, like, he could show up tomorrow and he'll start tomorrow. Um, he did lose his captainship, obviously, because, you know, to be a captain, you have to be there throughout training camp and preseason. But, again, it, it's not like he 
burned any bridges. Um, nothing bad came out of it. If anything, he played really well this year. He had four interceptions. Um, he was a big part of, you know, the Hubbard yard dashes, I like to call it. I mean, he was one of the big players who set up that play by tackling Tyler Huntley before that. So you could say in some ways he helped save the Bengals season in the playoffs. But now uh, hard decisions are going to be made. And the way he talked about it, both after the game and during locker room clean out is, you know, it's a business and he'd love to be here. He'd love to be back here. Clearly he loves the culture. He loves playing for Zach Taylor and Louie Narumo, but I think he also kind of gave this away with how choked up he got is that it's a business. It looks like someone else probably will give him more money just based on his market value. So to me, it just sounds like we've seen the end of the Jesse Bates era in Cincinnati. I, I'd say if he comes back, there's a 10% chance, maybe 15% chance he comes back. But I just don't see it happening. And I'd imagine you guys probably agree with that. No, I, I would put it at like 0.5%. <laughs> it, it, yesterday, it's in talking to him and, in, in, you know, just kind of the – it, it felt very final – uh, he talked after the game, you know, he, he kind of alluded to it a little bit, but yesterday uh, it really did kind of feel like the last day of the school year with Jesse. Like it was, you know, he was talking about things and you could tell he kind of had to catch himself. Um, you know, I asked him a question, something along the lines of, you know, because when he showed up, uh, the Bengals were miserable. You know, they were uh, one of the worst teams in the league, one of oh, yeah. the worst team in the league. Um, you know, I, you know, so I asked him, I said, what did it mean to you to be a part of, you know, a team like that? And then kind of see it through to a team that's contending for Super Bowls and he talked about learning a lot. And you could tell he was about ready to say, wherever I go next year, that, you know, he could pass that lesson on that, you know, it's possible. And he caught himself and he said, you know, yeah, uh, you know, he, he caught himself and then said, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons and in a year or 10 years that I can tell guys, you know, the quote yesterday yesterday that struck out to me was, uh, quote, I want to be here. Unfortunately, this business, there's different scenarios where I'm not in a situation where I can leave $10 million on the table and be okay with that. It wouldn't be fair to myself, my family, and my legacy. Obviously, yes, I want to be here. My family is three hours away from here. I've been, I've created bonds in this locker room. I want to be here, uh, end quote. But to me, that, w when you say, I can't leave money on the table. That kind of sounds to me like the Bengals have told be him what to they're him, willing though, to pay be him. him. Be fair to him. He said he couldn't leave $10 million on the table. He didn't say money on the table. Yeah. $10 million. Like, I think he's, is $10 million. he's talking about he's getting an all like the Bengals can't afford his market value by a lot, not by a little. And so I, I yeah. just to be fair to him, like he's not saying, I, I think Jesse Bates probably would take a little less to say, but he can't take like half is what I think his point was. And there's no realm of possibility of him coming back without him taking like pennies on the dollar, basically. To come back. Here. Yeah. And I know, I know people are, you know, people listen to this and they're like, you know, Oh, like these guys make so much money already. And I know there's people that probably have that opinion. Um, that's kind of insane for a bunch of different reasons. But again, the, the money that these guys make, like it's, it's not only, money that sets you up kind of long-term it's it's status uh you know guys like being the best played or the best paid player at their position they like being in that top three five seven ten group whatever they like kind of having that bar to say you know i make this and 
truthfully, it's up to the players uh, to to negotiate their worth because you know you want a player to be able to negotiate everything he's worth, and then you know when X safety for this whatever team comes up, he can say, all right, well Jesse Bates is making this, I should make this. It's going to be the same thing with Joe Burrow. You know, Joe Burrow probably going to be the highest paid quarterback, or at least you know one of the highest paid quarterbacks at his position. By the end of that deal, assuming it's a long-term deal, it's not going to be the market. It's not going to be the top of the market anymore. It's just the way these things work. So, uh, yeah. you know, when you can get your top of the market value, you got to get it. But I do think there's a difference between guys like Bates and a Burrow, where right, Burrow course. accounts for yeah, a quarter of, of your salary cap value. And so I think asking, like, I think it's reasonable. Like, if Joe Burrow wants to keep, say, all his receivers – I think it's reasonable to be like you might you if you could you take ten million dollars less and it's also that wouldn't also be a status thing because you're at that point you're making more money than like most of the people in the league anyway right. like I think the quarterback numbers have been skewed to the point where it's like when you see it it hurts teams like you have to sacrifice so much and invest so much into quarterbacks that regardless of how talented are you're costing yourself like five other you know above replacement level players at that point so in Bates. Bates, I think, um, you know, the, the, in those positions are just so much different than what quarterbacks make. And, and I'll be interested to see if Burrow does push, you know, his, you've got agents, and you've got things like that. But, you know, with Jamar getting an extension, with you wanting to keep T, um, you know, Tyler Boyd, obviously starting up in the air, like, can he take a little less to say, I want money invested in the offense? Because I think that'll ultimately make them long term better. But I don't know. I, I think it'll be an interesting point to see what he ends up doing. Because I don't think that's important to him to be sort of have the designation as the most important, you know, or most, uh, you know, highly paid player in the league. Yeah, I think Mike makes a good point, and I don't want to focus too much on Burrow's contract because I want to talk about that later this week since talking about all these things would make this a two-hour podcast. But I think the good thing with having someone like Joe Burrow, who's the kind of leader he is, who cares about winning more than anything, as much as he is going to want and rightfully deserve more money, I don't know if it's going to be like what Tom Brady had in New England, where he kind of had his contract set up to where it helped them bring in other guys. But nonetheless, like I could see them saying, you know, because he knows Jamar Chase is going to want to get paid and Jamar Chase is going to help them win. Same with T Higgins, among other guys. Like I think he knows if he has those guys, whether you pay him five or ten million more, he's going to win with those guys, and that's appetizing. That's appetizing to hear, you know, if you're Joe Burrow, because like he's already had two years of extremely well-proven success with those guys, including Tyler Boyd, but mostly looking at Chase and Higgins. So, you know, I, I could see that kicking in, and of course, that's going to be a lengthy conversation for like the rest of the off season. But I think with Bates, you know. And like you said, Andrew, you can't really leave $10 million on the table. It's nice to have that stats. It's nice to say that you've proven yourself and that, you know, you bet on yourself. Because he basically bet on himself that, hey, I can I can get this deal. I can get this contract. And that's what he played for. And, you know, it was ultimately out of his hands, like he said, you know, over and over again. But even though it's still out of his hands, I think he's going to go for uh, the Bucks. And I think, you know, I don't blame him in that situation. I mean, when you're what? You're, he's in his fifth, sixth season now. Having been through what he's been through, I, I see no no issue in that for him. But then you look at Jermaine Pratt in a very similar situation. I think the same thing with Jermaine Pratt. I, I don't think he's coming back. And I say that because, I mean, we all heard the, the, the post-game remarks he made after the AFC Championship where he said, it's my last effing year before he went on to 
bring up what Joseph Osai did. And, you know, obviously he since apologized for it. He admitted that it was wrong to handle it the way he did. But I think that was still him just showing his emotion where I think he knew deep down that this was it. When he said this was my last effing year, I think he knew it was it. And part of that frustration maybe came from the fact that he wasn't going to a Super Bowl again, which could have helped his market value like it did last year when you know they made it to the Super Bowl. So I think maybe that's part of the frustration kicked in, but um, I think he pretty much gave that away. And, you know, we, we've kind of heard him talk this year about, you know, where he was on Twitter saying, you know, he wants to be in on third down, which, I mean, the coaching staff didn't really read into it. And I don't think it was that big of a deal, but he's kind of hinted that he wants to have a bigger role. I think he wants to be more involved. Again, not that he wasn't. He just wants to be even more involved. Um, I really, to be honest, I, I say he leaves because of that and because I think, without predicting too far ahead in the future. I think if you're the Bengals, you let Jermaine Pratt walk and you give Logan Wilson an extension. Because, I mean, he's going to want to get paid too. He's got one year left on his deal. He's still on his rookie contract. So I think he's going to want to get paid. So I think you extend Logan Wilson, whether it be this year or next year, and he just let Pratt walk and let the market kind of take care of itself with him. I mean, there's a lot of advanced numbers that would tell you that you're wrong. Uh, that you don't want to extend a linebacker. Um, it's a game about passing and throwing and defending the pass. And basically in this league, uh, you want to be able to throw it and stop it. And what you do for that is you pay your quarterback, you pay your receivers. Well, well, well I'm saying when, when Wilson's contract is up, maybe not now, but like next year when Wilson's no, I'm, yeah, I'm saying No, I'm saying there's a lot of evidence to say that you would kind of do the same thing you would do with Pratt uh, and just – take the comp pick when he leaves and, and let it go because uh, you know, on, on the defensive side of the ball, what do you want? You want pass rushers and you want defensive backs. Um, linebackers don't really get paid like they used to, unless you're Roquan Smith, apparently um, yeah. you know, linebackers. Uh, they are kind of not a dying breed, um, but there's fewer of them on the field now. Um, you know, as teams go to these, uh, these different types of look, typically you're only playing, you know, unless you're playing the Ravens like to look. Yeah, you're only playing like a like a like a like a nickel look. It's a dime is essentially in the nickel. Uh, the nickelback is now a full time player. Uh, you have a good one in Mike Hilton. I don't know. It, it, they're going to have some interesting cap stuff over the next few years, but uh, I'm not sure. It um, I, I, obviously the number one thing is you get Burrow, and then you kind of figure out the rest from there. Mike, what do you think? What do you think about? It? Do you think uh, they don't try? Do you think Jermaine Pratt just walks, or do you think maybe there's a chance that they come to some sort of agreement when his deal is up this year? No, I, or, I, which I, is already I, up. I mean, I made it clear he's he's kind of. I mean, I know he said he wanted to win, and that might be more important than getting the max value. But I think his sort of the way he's kind of handled himself this year, and and uh, you know, hinted at various things. I think it's kind of obvious that. He sees his future elsewhere, and, and then you know, on the cap space on top of it, uh, you don't you're not gonna spend money to do that. I think you just uh, it's a position that you can kind of just keep rotating out through the draft. You're looking for athleticism and guys that can tackle, and I think um, he's more of a uh, replaceable piece in loose system. Um, and you know, Akeem Davis Gaither can easily kind of slide in if they don't sort of uh, look to a, a rookie to sort of do that. You also have Marcus Bailey, who mostly plays sub packages and special teams, but he's shown a lot of potential. If you want to give him more reps with Akeem Davis Gaither, you can always do that. Clay Johnson, Joe Botch, you're a lot farther down on the depth chart, but you know if you were to put them maybe where Akeem Davis Gaither was this year, I don't think that's a bad thing. And then maybe you feel 
those spots either with uh, free agency or the draft, like later in the draft this year. Um, but I don't think it's going to be the most pressing need because, like you said, they already have that depth, not just with ADG, but with Johnson and Bailey. So I think well, they're. I think, I think Johnson and Bocce are free agents as well. They are. Oh, they are. Yes. Good catch. Well, that'll be interesting to see if, if they bring them back on uh, short deals or if maybe they want to go somewhere else. But, yeah, that is a good point. I didn't even think about that. But, again, if, if, I'm saying if you have those guys back, you're in a pretty good position at linebacker for the most part, especially since you still have Logan Wilson at, with the green dot. Um, but when we get back on this podcast this week, we're going to talk more about the rest of uh, upcoming free agents, including Eli Apple in the secondary, along with Trey Flowers. And then we'll also talk more about Hayden Hurst, who, like we mentioned, is the only player who's not under contract for next season. I think that's going to be a good point of discussion. Plus much, much more on Burrow and his likely extension, which will be coming up in the postseason or in the offseason, rather. I'm still in postseason mode and what that looks like and how they get there. But once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis and Mike Nisley, I'm Muhammad Amar. See you tomorrow. Have a great day.